This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager. Welcome to the show. Joining me again for the second straight week. It's almost like old times, Matt. I think I could break my old record. Well, I don't know. You, your old record was pretty... I'd have to go back to the uh, history books to see that one, but I think it was something like 20-something episodes. I'm not sure. I don't know. If there's anything I've learned from the internet, it's that Shia LaBeouf says that my dreams can't just be dreams. I have to make my dreams the reality. The internet. It is a fickle thing, this internet. I mean, just this is kind of way off topic, but I was just, you know, drug into this whole world about Steph Curry's basketball shoes being like dad shoes. Have you seen this? All the memes and whatnot? No, but I can only imagine. I bought a pair of New Balances, and my wife, for the whole year that I wore them, kept telling me that I was a couple strips of Velcro away from being an 80-year-old man. Well, listen, that's the comparisons that were made to New Balance. And the really, really sad thing, Matt, before we get started here is that I like the shoes. I'm getting old because I was like, oh, I'd buy those. But then I found out they're $130, so I would never do that. But I kinda, Mine were like $45. I know. That's the max I'll spend, too, for shoes. But I kind of like them, so I guess I'm getting old. Well, let's move on to more pertinent information for our EdTech weekly listeners. Our first story, Matt, is a blog post on fastcompany.com, and it explains that Arnie Duncan, not Arn Duncan, as I once said many, many moons ago on the show, former Secretary of Education, has taken a, se- a seat on the board at Pluralsight. Now, Pluralsight's an edtech startup worth more than $1 billion. It's an online education company that focuses on courses for technology professionals, and Arnie sees this company as a way to democratize learning, I guess, and thinks it could fit in with his ambitions to bring higher-level learning into lower-income families. I know especially he's working within the Chicago area. Um, I don't really know how – I don't see exactly how Pluralsight is a, a more attractive option for Arnie with EdTech. I mean, there's a lot of online learning platforms that are a lot more inclusive, maybe a lot less uh, money and a lot less specified, but I'm guessing maybe the salary has something to do with it. But what are your thoughts here, Matt? Um, I thought it was an interesting story. I'd probably say it's one of the few billion-dollar companies that was started by people who are worth are worth way more than a billion dollars. Um, but it's interesting to see. I think that there's a lot of great points that are made in the article and Duncan brings up things about inclusion is probably something we should be focused on just as much as the technology itself and the courses. Um, but talking in there or the article itself talks about, you know, one guy who licensed out his, you know, courses and stuff like that and made a million plus in royalties. It's not a bad place, but you know, when you've got a jobs on the board, um, and Arnie Duncan, that's going to bring a lot more people, um, to your marketplace. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. And if somebody like Arnie is going to be on the board and actually able to steer that company in a direction that is, you know, will be beneficial for including, um, especially those in, in worse economic situations, I think it's a good thing. All right, Matt, let's get to our next story. It's an article from Edweek Market Brief, and it shares some data that was collected from an EdTech survey of K-12 educators. I uh, definitely you should check out the article. And remember, edtechweeklyshow.com. We will put the link in there. Of course, you can always search on Google as well. Uh, One of the biggest takeaways that I got from this, Matt, is that about 22% of responders said that their students never use EdTech for collaboration. Uh, It's one of the largest percents. Actually, I think it is the largest percent of non-uses for EdTech in this survey. And this drives me crazy, Matt. I feel like 
this is exactly what we should be focusing on as K-12 and even higher ed um, educators because collaboration is what the beautiful tool that technology should be and can be. I mean, this is the working together uh, across countries, across states, across cities, across the classroom, all this stuff, it seems to be right in EdTech's wheelhouse, but the largest percent of non-use, that, that says something to me and says maybe we're not really focusing in the right area, at least not in my opinion. What are your thoughts about this article, Matt? Um, I completely agree with you, and I agree with a lot of what the article talks about. I mean, you know, when you have 22% of responders saying that students never use ed tech for collaboration, you're it's missing the mark. But it also comes back to something we've brought up multiple times and read many, many articles on, which is it's great to get the technology. It's great to come in there and have a sales pitch and somebody throw you know, special features at you. But if you don't have a curriculum or you don't have a support staff behind you, you're going to fall right into this trap where your department or district is spending hundreds of millions or millions, if not tens of millions of dollars every single year on this stuff. And it's just finding a nice warm home in a warehouse um, and not getting used properly. Um, of course, then comes the argument for of the 78 other percent how many of them are um, seeing it being used properly and are the students still being engaged? Um, and what do we do on the flip side? Do we start speaking with students about how they would use it and maybe starting to take cues from them? Um, but then again, um, I think I can come up with the second um, unicorn in ed tech. If everybody just gives me a billion dollars, um, I can fix this. Oh, of course. Yeah. A billion dollars can fix a lot of problems. But to your point about these statistics as well, I mean, if you talk about collaboration and look at the people who say they use it a few times a week, month or year, which means, I mean, that could be anything really. I mean, if they use it a few times a year or a few times a week, that's a huge range. But if you look at that with never, we're looking at 89%. And you know, you got to believe, like you were saying, that not everyone who's using it, even if they're using it a few times a week or a month, are using it maybe to the best it can be used. So that's a pretty large number that's struggling with collaboration, in my opinion. I would say once a week would be the minimum that you should be using EdTech for collaboration. Um, it's just, it seems like it's just too easy. But, you know, I, I know those are arguments for maybe different days and maybe a little bit longer on the shows. What we've done here this week and what we're going to continue to do is just talk a little bit less about the uh, news of the week and then we're going to have a featured resource and we'll get to that right now, actually. So, first of all, what I'm going to try to do when it's relevant, I'm going to be creating a video that will explain a little bit more about the featured resource. Uh, for those of you who are interested, you can use them. I'm going to have a YouTube channel. Or I do have a YouTube channel under Four Tech Teachers. That's my Twitter handle. Um, again, just going to be there for you guys if you need a little more information on the how-to aspect of some of these things. And the resource this week is guided access. And I, I believe this is a specific thing to iOS only, Matt. Have you looked into Android at all and seen if there is a some type of guided access? I know... Uh I've noticed that they have things that are similar to it. For it to be called guided access, there seems to be some like apps that are available. Um, I know that Amazon's skinned version of Am Android does have something that's similar to it. Um, so uh, it is out there. I don't know that Android has specifically you know, made something like that, um, especially with all of the guided access tutorials that are out there for Apple and Apple does a great job of branding it 
which I find guided access to be just a rebranding of you can't do most of these things. Yeah, I mean, and definitely you're, you're right about um, Amazon. One of their tablets that they have set up that's for students or kids specifically has built-in things. I forget what it's called. There's a there's a name for it, something like uh, Playtime or War- I don't know what it's called, something Time, I believe. But anyway, they make you, you know, use an educational app or read for a certain amount of time and then it, uh, and then you can get in to play some games it's it sort of divides your time up like that so i think that's kind of what you're referring to specifically ios guided access where i've seen it used most is in the classroom with ipads um, but it does work on it's built into the ios um, the operating system on ipads iphone and ipod touch um, and how it really works is that you have the ability to turn on in settings this feature and if you simply triple click the home button I don't know if that's simple by the way because I've done it a few times and sometimes I double click but you triple click the home button and you can basically lock your students or if you have children that you have using your iPad into a specific app now the more our sort of music libraries and video libraries and all those things get on one device um, unless you're a family that has tons of iPads your kids are probably going to use the same one so you know, using this can help you make sure they're focused in the one area you want them to be. Of course, Matt, I'm sure there's ways to get around this, <laughs> as there always are. Um, you know, well, I forget there was a story not that long ago about a kid who hit the home button a certain amount of times and did this a certain amount of times and somehow was able to gain access into an iPhone Um and I, I think his father was some sort of a huge programmer, so I'm not really sure that the kid just did this all on his own. But it, there are ways, of course, to get out of these things. And it's just a way to make sure that the opportunity for them to be doing something they're not supposed to be doing is a lot less. Like the chances that they can do it are diminished. Um, there's some custom customization options on it, like making areas of the screen disabled. I have personally used this um, with my son, who's almost three now. If he's watching a video in the car or something, I will disable the area where he can like exit out and then maybe choose a new video so he's kind of locked in whatever we're watching. So there's definitely some good options, and especially in the classroom when you have like if you have an iPod for or iPad for every student, you're going to need to have some sort of management system. Um, this is one way that you can make sure that they're actually using the app they're supposed to be. Any thoughts on this, Matt? Do you think this is a good thing? I know you're sort of an Android guy, and locking down never seems like it always seems like it it, it goes against the grain of Android in general and that type of a philosophy. Um, I have no problem with it. I it seems I, I used something when I was in high school. Um, whenever you'd go to one of the Dell desktops, it had this thing called Ice Machine, and you couldn't do really a lot of things with it. And then every day when the computer restarted, it got rid of all the old stuff, so you were sort of you know, locked into this one ecosystem on how to do things. Um, and it was easy to get around, incredibly easy. Um, but <laughs> Easier I for really, some than others, I'm I, sure. I kind of really like this stuff um, just because, um, you know, specifically, you really don't need to be giving your kids access to so many different things and maybe teaching them how to, you know, stay within a walled garden um, isn't such a bad thing. Uh, then, of course, you could get into a lot of social theory, like we had in the last episode about why that's not such a good idea, but there are pros and cons to each side. And and actually, knowing that iOS has this and all the research that I did, um, and having a tiny kid, um, I'm not necessarily against it um, because 
uh, my wife and I had a conversation about, oh, what do we do? Like, you know, I work on my laptop a lot from home um, for my second job, and I'm on my phone quite a bit. And it's hard to sort of run away from the idea that, oh, I can't show any electronics that I have any attachment to them at all. Um, so it might be a better um, thing to do to show responsible um, usage of these things and not just using it to play games and, you know, watch funny videos of cats. Although that's fun, too, and that has its place. Um, you know, it's interesting that you say that because there is that struggle with you have to make sure you teach your children or model for your students in a classroom the correct way to be using these devices. And, you know, there's got to be consequences if they're not using the right thing. This really comes down to a way for you, especially introducing an iPad. If students have not used an iPad um, and you need them to be focused for a little while as you start giving them, you can give them more and more access and less restrictions as you go. Um, I totally believe in teaching responsibility because what I hate most of all when it comes to especially to K-12 education is like, well, we can't use that because what if they see something bad or we can't use this? Well, listen, that's life. They're going to see – there's the internet people. They're going to see something bad if they want to find it. The, the bigger issue to me is teaching students to be responsible and know, hey, if I'm on this site, this is probably not a good place for me to be especially at certain times or certain places. So I think that's important. And I think this can be a good first step, especially for young kids, elementary school kids who haven't had this type of device or this type of access. Make sure that you're walling them in, a, like you said, that garden, so to speak, so that you can slowly give them more and more and work with your consequences and get them to where someday they're just going to be doing what they're supposed to be doing most of the time, if not all of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just get off. I'll get off my soapbox now. Uh, it's one of the things that just sort of bothers me is when we don't teach them any responsibility. So when I say sure. use guided access, I say that's a great thing to do, especially early on. But if you're in high school and your students have to have guided access, then we got some issues. You know what I mean? That should be stepped up and they should be learning some responsibility. And obviously special cases, depending on students with disabilities or other things, there's a lot of great things baked into iOS for that too. Um, but anyway, so I'll be making a video for this and go easy on me. It'll be my first one, uh, with four tech teachers. And, uh, you know, if you guys like it, awesome. And if not, well, I'm going to keep trying to do it anyway. So there, so nanny, nanny, boo, boo. I'm not sticking my head in doo doo. No, no, of course not. I wouldn't want you to do that, Matt. All right, Matt. So if anyone wants to be a part of the show, there's a couple ways they can reach us. I did want to go, maybe you could go on the subreddit for me. I had, we had a new person post and give them a little shout out. Uh, go to our subreddit, edtechweekly.reddit.com. Again, we've got about 50, I believe, I don't know if it's called subscribers or watchers. I'm not really sure how it goes, but we've got a, a group of people that are there checking it out. Some are posting, um, which is really awesome. My, my desire for this site, for this subreddit is for people to just share resources, articles about educational technology, resources they use, um, be a good, good place, maybe share tutorials or websites that people are teaching people how to do things. Um, just be a really good community for uh, teachers in general who are interested in learning or helping people learn more about ed tech. So check it out, edtechweekly.reddit.com. Matt, do we have that user? Fippy. Or Fipple twenty nine, shout okay. out homie. That's we like it, Fipple. We and appreciate then it. They're called readers. Readers, okay, thank readers. you. I know. Hey, listen, a year ago I was like, I don't even know what. Well, maybe not a year ago, but not that long ago, I was saying, hmm, 
Reddit? I don't know. And you taught me all... Reddit, it seems, where all the nefarious characters hang out. Listen, you opened my eyes to that probably more like two years ago now, but I like it, and I think other people should get on it, and I think it could be a really good thing for teachers. So check that one out, edtechweekly.reddit.com. You can follow me at 4techteachers, the number 4techteachers on Twitter. Um, I will be tweeting out my video when it's ready, so you can get that info there. I'll also put a link on edtechweeklyshow.com. Um, email the show edtechweekly at gmail.com. We have a listener who wants to participate. I emailed her back and I'm hoping to hear from her soon so that she can be a part of the show. And I'm excited about that. And then, uh, Matt, your favorite number to this day, we've had Meredith and Daphne call no more calls, but the number is still there. It's still active. Google has not shut it down yet. Three Oh five, nine, two tech two, Matt. That's awesome. I, think that the person who's trying to be on show should call it um making us making us kind of look weak like we don't have a good phone number that's true i mean good this point. is solid i think it's crystal i'm pretty sure the name is crystal how crystal. about it how about it crystal call us 305-92-TECH-2 leave us a voicemail and so so people believe me i don't want to have to share your email and post it out into the world but i want people to believe that we're that people do want to be a part of the show it's important it's important for oh. our street cred I got one more. I think we might soon have another guest. Oh, yeah? It's Dr. Nathan Fisk. And I'm going to try to get him on the show. Is this the gentleman from a university nearby? Yes. Um, and awesome. one of my really good friends growing up. Good stuff. I love it. More people on the show, the better. Um, again, thanks for being a part of the show. There's some of you who have been with us for a long time, and we appreciate that. Uh, the numbers continue to grow, Matt, on Podbean. Um, episodes are now getting somewhere close to about 150 downloads. I don't know how many of those are bots, but it was. It started off at like five or six downloads, so I'm guessing there has to be something legitimate there. Yeah. Do Do they give like information? Like I can see like what countries and what states. You see like IPs or anything? I don't know about IPs, Matt. I don't know how. I don't know if that that might be extra service or something, but I can look into that. But yeah, it gives me uh, locations and number of downloads and all that. So there's at least some sort of traction and it seems to be trending upwards. So that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see everybody next week. Matt, do you have any uh, words of wisdom or any good thing to tell the people before we leave today? Yes. Much like the first Back to the Future and the song Hip to be Square, it is in fact Hip to be Square. All right. I'll see my way out. Okay. <laughs> All right, Matt. Thanks for joining us on the show, and we'll see you guys next week on EdTech Weekly. Bye.